You're listening to The Mumbrella Cast. The Mumbrella Cast. Welcome to the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Damien Francis, and joining me to break down the week in media and marketing is Mumbrella reporter Xander Wilson. Hello, Damo. And he is back again. You cannot keep him away. Mumbrella editor at large and proprietor of Unmade, Mr. Tim Burrows. Damien, greetings from Tasmania. I'm, since we last spoke, I'm now officially an Australian citizen. Welcome to the club. It's good to have you with us. It's nice to be here. Later in the episode, Xander will be chatting with an Ocean CEO, Jasmine Badir, about the difference in ad spend between the current lockdowns and those in 2020. We're just seeing basically um, a shift in spend, you know, everything is going back into TV and digital and out of home gets deleted left, right and centre. Continuing to expand the client base outside of the core automotive segment. We started to work for Tourism Korea. Are we getting ready for 2022 for like post-lockdown uh, world where they've got big ambitions to um, beat Japan? And the challenges of learning how to pitch remotely for the first time. One big pitch, we've been pitching since April. Um, one we didn't make, um, that's okay, you know, in Ocean had to learn how to, how to pitch. We lost that, it was an Asia-Pacific Asia uh, pitch. But first, the week's topics. Nine posts profits, but share prices drop as Mike Sneesby delivers his first financial year results for the media company. O-Media delivers its FY21 results with new CEO Cathy O'Connor. And Qantas unveils its latest campaign with overseas travel and vaccinations at heart. Nine Entertainment Co. dropped its financial results this week, reporting revenues of $2.3 billion for the 12 months to the 30th of June, an 8% increase on the prior corresponding period. Net profit after tax went up 76% to $184 million, and there were solid gains in a number of areas within the business. Xander, can you give us a bit of a top line around Nine's results across its business? Yeah, so obviously while there was that group uh, revenue increase, there were some other mixed results across the different verticals of the business, which I guess is to be expected with with really the amount of segments that they have these days. Uh, broadcast revenue, which is made up of television combined and nine radio, grew 10% to $1.242 billion. But TV really did the heavy lifting there. Uh, it has you know, been well publicised how well TV has bounced back compared to other segments since 2020. Uh, and Nine's, Nine Radio's revenue was down 11% over the financial year. Uh, the good news there for them was that there was a 13% rise in revenue for Nine Radio in the second half. Uh, so they'll be expecting better things moving into, these, into the back end of this calendar year. Stan had a good result too and, and continues to be a successful story for Nine. Um, just on a side note, I, I re-downloaded the app quite recently, having unsubscribed from it a while back because I'll be watching the European football on it, which is uh, very on brand for me. It, it looks way slicker, I thought, and more user-friendly than, than what I remember a year or two ago. Uh, but I do digress. Nine reported that Stan has an active subscriber base of 2.4 million. For context, News Corp reported that their uh, subscriber base across KO, Binge and Foxtel Now uh, was at 3.89 million at the end of the financial year. Uh, so that's where Stan sits in relation to that. Uh, revenue for Stan as well, up 29% to $311.8 million. Uh, but with investment in sport and local original content, their costs also grew 29% as well to $272.3 million. 
And just finally, in terms of the publishing business, our revenue fell by 3% over the financial year to $504.5 million. But interestingly, profits were up 28%. And digital revenue uh, is really the growth area there with a 20% increase in revenue. Um, and Nine did say that its deals with Facebook and Google estimated to be, you know, between 30 and 40 million uh, will be added to the company's bottom line in the financial year of 2022. Yeah, I've uh, gotten back into the Stan app uh, as well to watch Paw Patrol, which is a fantastic show. Uh, but Tim, you wrote uh, an interesting op-ed this morning titled The Honeymoon Ends for Mike Sneesby. Uh, after noting the decrease in, in share price after the results uh, announcement, uh, what was the theory there? That's uh, that's quite a headline. Yeah, so um, this was um, based on a piece I'd written for Unmade, which, as you know, is the new newsletter that I have launched, and I do encourage all of our listeners to sign up at unmade.media. Um, but the, the, yeah, that honeymoon question, I mean, for, first of all, I was trying to work out whether he had much of a honeymoon because he came on board in April and pretty much the weekend before he even started was the cyber hack. So there is an argument there was no honeymoon. But let's assume that the ASX investment community gave him a honeymoon. Um and that that was what came to an end yesterday. So I think the first thing to sort of you know be honest about is, um, you know, I watched his um, Prezo. It was available as a sort of live video stream, and he he took five five or six different callers from you know different sort of uh, you know kind of uh, in, in, in banks etc. In investment companies, um, and I didn't d- detect their scepticism to the level that they are about to have a you know, a sell-off that effectively reduced the company's market capitalization by about half a billion dollars. But the questions um, were around, as 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 Xander's just pointed out, the rising costs for Stan, um, which absolutely makes sense. You know, if you want to play in the sports space, it's expensive. And arguably for Stan to keep going forward, it can't afford to not play in the sports space and again um he he kind of alluded a little bit to stan originals you know where they 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 make their own stuff which i think there's a perception in the market still that they're quite expensive to do but versus the cost of acquiring content now um maybe not so much particularly if you can get another partner to either fund it internationally or you can sell it on um so you know that that all stacks up and i think maybe if there was just a tiny bit of an experience as a kind of voice on the asx that he missed out was the just the opportunity to really kind of explain his rationale of where they were going so so that that all assumes that the share price fall was because of a bit of sort of being spooked about um you know about the kind of investment it was going to take to um to 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 make the magic happen with stan because um you know it i i, I guess the cynic would say stan might be the you know the favored child because that was that was where sneeze became through and you know although it contributed you know as Xander was saying about 40 million in in profit you know broadcasting tv and radio that contributed a third of a billion in profit so um while the love for stan 
of course, the reason being it's a growth story. You know, the market likes growth stories, and if you want to win in that one, then you've got to, you know, you 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 you've got to keep going. So, um, so so yeah. Look, I I, I must have as we were recording, I was I was checking to see what the ASX was doing in case it had bounced back, and you know, a few hours into trading on on on, on Thursday, it hasn't bounced back yet. So, in fact, it's actually faded a little bit more. Um, so yeah. Um, and then I suppose the other thing, which is just an interesting milestone is the fact that um, nine's debt level is now slightly higher than sevens, which was something we wouldn't have seen two years ago. Yeah, you made an interesting point just before we started recording as well that perhaps uh, a few journo questions in there, a media conference might have uh, uncovered uh, a few more positives, potentially affected the, the share price a little bit differently maybe? Well, I wondered that a little bit because the the way it works with the investor call, which sort of comes after they they've released their numbers, and of course this is all virtual, uh, you know, I, I guess because of COVID as much as anything is, they take calls from the investors but not from journalists, and they tend to be, the investors tend to be very polite, whereas the journos ask the hard questions, and of course what that means is when you've got a good answer, you actually get to answer it, whether it it, it felt like the investor danced around the question a bit to the point that he didn't actually realize what was bothering them. So I, I kind of, you know, I think a kind of a troublemaking journalist or two to ask a hard question. Um, Hey, look, you know, when he was unveiled at the, 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 you know, the press conference back in uh, February, he was fine handling himself, you know? So um, that could be, um, that could be the argument I'd make is um, if you can't get the investors to ask hard questions then let the journals, yeah, and speaking of uh, being a troublemaking journalist, I, I did get the opportunity to chat with Mike Sneesby and also Chief Sales Officer Michael Stevenson uh, ar- around the results yesterday. And I did put, you know, the cost as a percentage of revenue question to them. And and uh, Stevenson said that uh, at this stage, what they're not they're not essentially seeing the benefits of that cost come through yet you did allude to that earlier tim that you know it is a growth story and you do have to keep spending money to make money uh, but what he said is that the investment ongoing and what one of the benefits that we'll see is is really massively more selling of integrated sponsorship packages for brands so when they're selling their sponsorship packages um, he did use the example of the rugby. They've been able to sell a lot more of those because it exists on the stand platform. It exists on free to wear. Um, you know, they're able to do lots of things around the nine ecosystem, which they, you know, they do love talking about. And they spoke about this morning in the ten- tennis presentation as well. You know, you, you get the updates on two two GB and all that sort of thing. So I, I think f- from from what they said, they're expecting to see throughout the rest of the year with with tennis and and with the football coming up and you know potentially more sports on Stan Sport that those sponsorship packages are really going to start to increase the revenue of Stan over time. Coming up next, we'll put O Media's results under the microscope. O Media also unveiled financial results this week, revealing numbers for the first half of the calendar year. Revenues of $251.6 million represented a 23% increase year on year, but it came after a corresponding 2020 period that saw significant drops. I'm going to throw to you again first, uh, Xander. Can you break down the results a bit for us? 
Yeah, so as you mentioned, they're a positive top line for O-Media, but but off the back of a really tough 2020, so coming from a lower base than it normally would be. Um, there were some other results that weren't as positive as that revenue growth. Net profit after tax fell by $3.9 million, uh, but O did also reduce its debt by 16%. So, um, you know, a, bi- a mixed bag there, I guess. Looking into the different segments, things pretty much performed as you would expect they would um, in, in, you know, our COVID slash post-COVID era that we're living through. Uh, Road performed really well with a 44% lift in revenue to $78.6 million, and, and that was notable particularly because it was 16% higher than the same period in 2019. Again, a result that's not altogether surprising, you know, with car clearly a preferred form of transport um, throughout a lot of this year so far. Areas like rail on the other side fell by 18%. And, you know, despite a decent chunk of the first half of this year, there being low COVID numbers throughout the country. Uh, some more mixed results saw retail jump 40% to 57.3 million, again, from a fairly low base uh, in the first half of 2020. And the fly segment, no surprise there, again, a 56% drop in revenue with really no timeline on on when we'll see masses of traffic back in airports again. I think with these results as well, it's important to look at them in the context of the wider out-of-home industry. Today, the Outdoor Media Association reported a 22.1% increase in revenue. So O-Media's result was pretty much exactly in line with the rest of the industry, not ahead of it, not behind of it. So a middling result, I guess. Yeah, interesting. Look, you mentioned air, road, rail, things that uh, unfortunately not many of us are experiencing at the moment. We're all sitting at home here recording the podcast, even Tim in his slightly less locked down state in in Tasmania. Um, You know, you spoke to Kathy O'Connor recently as well, impacts of, you know, largely the East Coast uh, being locked down, uh, potentially quite far into the end of the year. How's she feeling about that? I spoke with CEO Kathy O'Connor, her first uh, half results with the company. Um, and like many other uh, chief executives I've spoken to over the last few weeks during the financial reporting season that we're in, uh, she said that they're not seeing the same amount of cancellations during the current lockdowns as they were last year. When we spoke, uh, she talked about there being less uncertainty about when lockdowns would lift. And honestly, until probably this morning's announcement by the New South Wales Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, I'm not sure I would have bought into that as much as you know she was saying, given there was really no set timeline for really any easing of restrictions until literally two hours ago. Um, this morning, you know, we obviously had the, the news that we're going to start to see restrictions ease almost immediately, even if it's only in a small way. So rereading Kathy's answers there, with that extra context, you know, you have to say these types of announcements will bring confidence to advertisers and, and you know, if they've delayed their spend in the last couple of months, you'd think that they're not going to cancel it now and, and, and that confidence is just going to grow as New South Wales and then hopefully afterwards Victoria open up. Yeah, it was an interesting announcement this morning, wasn't it, in terms of the expectation that we'll hit the 70% double vax level uh, potentially as early as the first couple of weeks of October and, and that the government was speaking to industries about uh, restarting in a COVID-safe manner for people who are double vax, which obviously makes a, a big difference for, for our industry as well, if indeed that happens as early as uh, uh, October or, or, or the first half of October. Uh, one of the other things I, I wanted to have a quick chat about, uh, and I know, Tim, you'll have a, an opinion on this, was uh, Junkie, which wasn't 
as notable as I thought it, it might be. O is, of course, selling uh, the, the brand. Uh, Tim, what do you think about how Junkie was presented in the results? Look, for sure, uh, all of Cathay Corner's strategy is around streamlining towards being a pretty much pure play out of home company. Whereas, I guess under um, you know under her um, predecessor Brendan Cook, he was sort of showing an interest in a few other things. Um, you know, I uh, before we get on to Junkie, one of the things I noticed about the you know the financial update from oh this week was the fact that they were getting out of something called O Edge or 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 Edge Collective, which I must admit I hadn't really been on my radar, but they kind of revealed that they quietly um, sold that at the end of last year, which, um, you know, effectively it's a kind of brand activation was division now agency. So they were obviously getting out there. So you, you can see what they're doing. Um, And I suppose I find myself looking back to five or six years ago when they bought Junkie. Um, And it was a, you know, it was a kind of sort of interesting time where, particularly sort of independent publishers, particularly those with a bit of a kind of sort of, you know, youth angle suddenly became very valuable. So, you know, in June, 2015, we had O bought Junkie. Um, At the time it valued it at about $13 million or something like that. And it was, it was really interesting because the, the, the things they were really good at were native advertising which was actually kind of new at the time, you know, this idea that you help brands tell their own stories. So it's, it's not all about display ads. It's about, you know, the, the content you create that you're paid to create because only you know how to talk to your audience and then, you know, run on behalf of the, the advertiser, which was what really helped them get such a deep relationship with Qantas, for instance. And then Youth Insights was the other thing. They were so good at just offering the market insights into kind of what the youth audience was thinking and doing. They kind of positioned themselves as the, you know, as the, as the experts. Um, but kind of at the same time, you also saw pedestrian change hands. That was March 2015, so actually just before the junkie deal. So Nine bought that initially, bought about 60% um, for $9.3 million. So that was that was valuing it, at, you know, a little bit more than $15 million at the time. Um, so, you know, about the same as junkie, give or take, at that stage. And then we saw um, HT&E, or as it was then, APN News and Media, by conversant, so the people who at the time had Techly lost E minor in the raw. That was like a, a year later, um, and that was for you know eleven point six million, a bit less, but arguably they were they were getting the last house on the street. It wasn't quite as nice a house, um, so there there were all of these deals happening at once. Um, but yeah, it now looks like. I was getting getting back to the back to the knitting of outdoor, which which clearly is a call by Kath O'Connor, a CEO, rather than by necessarily the 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 board and the chairman Tony Four, who you know actually knew the junkie business really well because he'd been he'd been the chairman of Junkie back in the day as well. Um, so I I find myself wondering though, what is a buyer gonna get because it feels like I was keeping the best bits. They're keeping the studio, which is the branded content stuff. Um, and surely that's actually where the heart of the profits sit. So 
I wonder who might uh, buy it um, and at what price. I'd be amazed if someone paid 13 million for it, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about potential buyers, a few names being thrown around the ring. Let's get an update on that. Who have you heard? Well, look, these are these are all ones in the public domain, but the, the the two which I suppose interest me are Val Morgan have been talked about. They're almost trying to go in the in in, in another direction. They're trying to diversify. So, you know, cinema advertising and outdoor at the moment, and it looks like they're with, they've been going into publishing. You know, they had the Pop Sugar deal where they took that on from Nine, etc. So, so they're apparently in the frame. Um, and then the other one I've seen speculated about is H T and E, the people who bought Conversant. And then effectively lost all of their money on Conversant, which does kind of make me think, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. So um, surely Kieran Davis at HT&E won't do the similar deal again. The conversant deal was interesting, wasn't it? If I remember correctly, Techly at, at the time was pretty much a startup publication itself and didn't have much following or much traffic. Lost to D minor was very, very niche. It'll be interesting if if that rumor uh, turns into reality. That that will be I- extremely interesting um, and a hard one to justify to the shareholders. I await that uh, <laughs> that reasoning uh, if it if it does happen. Right, coming up next, Qantas drops its latest campaign while it suffers more financial losses. Qantas has launched a new campaign despite still not having commercial international flights and while much of the east coast of Australia is in lockdown. It also came the same week as Qantas announced a $1.73 billion loss due to the pandemic. Uh, The campaign, called Be Rewarded, was done by an in-house team with agency Brand Plus Story and focuses on people getting vaccinated in order to travel overseas for various reasons. We'll play a little bit of it here. I'm going to suggest that this is one of the most important campaigns of the year outside of the government vaccination and COVID information campaigns. Uh, Tim, agree or disagree? Mm, I think if it proves to be important only because of the quality of the the execution, um, because, hey, you know, there have been loads of messages which are effectively about motivating people to get vaccinated, which is the underlying thing of this. Um, but wow, isn't it well done? So this is a piece of work from an agency who'd never really crossed my radar, to be quite honest, called Brandon Story. And I must admit, when I first saw the ad, I, I, I didn't know who was behind it. And, you know, like many people, lots of people have written about this this week, a little tear welled up because it's all about people, you know, wanting to travel and see see loved ones in other parts of, of the world. You know, I, I've seen articles from, you know, on The Guardian making that point. You know, I've seen Ash London uh, posting about being moved to tears, etc. Um, 
So they, they did it incredibly well. But the thing that I, I remember my first thought was finally the monkeys have nailed it with a piece of brand advertising for Qantas because they've, they've had Qantas for a while and, you know, done some decent stuff, but not quite got there. And of course it wasn't actually the monkeys. So that, that was interesting. So what was it about this one that really worked? Um, so yeah, credit to, 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 to Brandon's story. And of course, yeah, it's, it's also, it's this weird thing because effectively it's a campaign ad, the campaign being get vaccinated so you can fly, but it feels like a brand ad. Um, so that, that's, you know, a really successful approach. And I, we've probably talked about this before. I've got to take my hats off to Qantas, you know, even though they've been in such dark days over the last two years, just the fact that, um, They've kept on keeping on with the brand presence, just in little ways. You know, there's there's always a new press release or a new announcement. You know, the, you know, you and I are kind of aviation nerds, Damon. I remember us both being on a on a conference call about something else, and we both had the flight tracker app open as we watched the last seven four seven fly away, for instance. And then, of course, they did that really newsworthy kangaroo shape. You know, so I'm glad you um, shared that with everyone. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, look, I don't think there's much of a secret about, uh, about about certainly about your aviation and uh, there's anyone who follows your Instagram will uh, will know all about that. Um, but um, but you know, just the the little ways, the way they pivoted from you know the in-flight magazine, um, being in flight to you know being sent to customers' homes, for instance, just keeping the connection. So you know, yeah, they've they've they, they they've kept the home fires burning really um which is must be really incredibly hard when as a brand you know most most of the brand experience doesn't exist certainly internationally and also you know in large part locally as well yeah it's it's really interesting actually what you say in terms of the agency hey you know conscious like a few other large brands that that we cover toyota springs to mind have a, a big agency roster and Keeping uh, the, I guess, the feel of the, the campaigns uh, within tone and style. It's always amazed me how that uh, works with such a large group of agencies uh, working on it. Uh, but hey, if we talk about you know what you were mentioning before with Nine and and, and the investor confidence there, you know, the, sh- the the share price of late hasn't dipped substantially. It's I, I think it's in the high fours at the moment as we speak. It went all the way down to to twos back at the start of um. Uh, of the pandemic, but more than anything else, one of the things that I uh, was quite impressed with, and it was actually Dan Monheit from from Hard Hat who sort of brought this to my attention, was this campaign more than anything else really puts Qantas at the forefront of leading the push for vaccinations, not just people wanting to travel, but the business as a whole. Businesses saying vaccinations should be mandatory, will be mandatory and making that more acceptable for other businesses who decide that that's the the way they want to go as well. You know, his point was, you know, any business who's looking at that situation or the situation going, look, I think think I've got to do this or I think we we want to do this. Uh, And also seeing the the conversations uh, in media at the moment about uh, the, the health and education sector, having those debates at the moment should vaccination be made mandatory? You know, this puts Qantas as a brand, you know, right at the forefront of actually doing that, which surely has to be a little bit of a, a risk. But uh, 
to your point previously as well, you know, Qantas just keep on keeping on and, and Alan Joyce to, you know, to be honest, isn't shy of making a, a pretty hard call from time to time. Nothing could be worse than the, the 2011 call of grounding the entire fleet and locking out the staff. Um, so he's, he's, he's right on the, the cusp of, of making these calls and, and pushing them quite hard. And I felt this campaign kind of backed that up a bit as well. Yeah, look, as an organisation from time to time, Qantas will insert itself into important social issues. You know, it was one of the first big organisations to uh, have a point of view in um, uh, marriage equality, for instance. Um, So, you know, you can see similarly where there's both a social issue here, but obviously also a kind of pressing business need. So arguably this one is probably a bit easier for them to to get behind. But, you know, once Qantas is saying, you know, vaccinations should be mandatory for employees, that's what they're saying, not not mandatory for the population, but for, for employees, then it makes it easier for other employers to do the same thing. Right, let's wrap this one up so I can go back to watching Flight Radar 24. Coming up next, Xander chats with Anoshan's Jasmine Badir. Welcome back to the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Xander Wilson, and this week I'm chatting with Inotion's Chief Executive Officer, Jasmine Badir. Jasmine, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So it's been a bit over a year since you started at Inotion. Um, can you believe it's gone by this quick? And, and how do you feel when you look back at you know your first year or so in the job? It's been a year. It's actually been, yeah, you're right. It's actually been a little bit more than a year. I actually can't quite believe it. I also can't believe that we're sitting and doing this in lockdown again. I started in lockdown. We're back in lockdown and it feels like we're going to be in lockdown for quite some time. So how does it feel? Um, doesn't feel like... Uh, doesn't feel like a year and it, it sort of does and it doesn't it's always strange when you start uh, a new job and you do that in lockdown it feels like time kind of stops for some reason or it's like it's a really artificial way of taking over a business and it took me a really long time to actually get to know to people so that, that wasn't easy and I thought we uh, found a rhythm and I went knee deep, knee deep into the restructure of the agency and I went super super fast in doing that and then uh, renovating the office and um, you know building new capabilities and and then we brought in lots and lots of people and unfortunately those people are again now they start I've got quite a few um, people starting in lockdown again now which makes it again for those guys um, and girls quite difficult so Overall, it feels like a lot has happened, but also it's not as much as I would have loved to happen, if that makes sense. It's just it feels, it feels like I've been cheated out of six months overall. Sort of, that's just sort of the sentiment, I think. Yeah, and, and we were talking before we got started when we caught up also earlier this year over at a notion, the idea was to do this podcast in person. You could have just walked the two minutes over mm-hmm. to the Umbrella office and sadly it wasn't to be. Um just interested in how the last couple of months have been for you guys. You mentioned, you know, you're onboarding people and they're at home. Um, are there any key learnings that you took from last year's lockdowns and working from home that you've been able to to come into that have made maybe this time a bit different or easier or more streamlined? Um, I don't think it has made it more easier and streamlined because I think last year, while it was tough, um, I mean, we're in Sydney, it wasn't as hard as, uh, as it was for Melburnians. People were kind of thinking, okay, with some sort of, you know, a period and then we came out of it and it was we kind of found a way I think this time hit us a little bit more 
um, because we're kind of in this, we're, we're like sitting, sitting ducks. And I think when people don't really know where it's going to go and, you know, if you're, and, and I think the biggest difference is that this time around, we also have homeschooling, which I don't think a lot of parents took seriously last year, you know, including myself, you were like, mm, it's all fine. The kid can go to school. Uh, this time around, it's it feels like it's a lot more strain overall on employees. Um, as for an ocean, we had a particularly difficult, we had a death in the agency just before we went into lockdown. One of our colleagues uh, had a brain aneurysm and died. And um, so it, then to disappear also and go into lockdown um, kind of gives people that sort of sense of, uh, we're not grieving the 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 loss of our, our colleague properly. So we we I think it it, it hit people extra hard than it did uh, last year for sort of um, you know for a variety of reasons. And the reality check of a colleague dying together with a global pandemic I, I puts a lot of things in perspective. So I had to make sure that this time around we're a lot gentler on our staff than than we were last year. I reckon. Yeah, definitely, and. Just also comparing the last lockdown to this one, um, I just wanted to get your perspective on we, we did see ad spend drop a lot over over last year. We're not sort of seeing those trends yet this year. Do you think the industry itself has maybe learnt lessons from last year? Do you think confidence will remain high or does that depend on how long the lockdowns will be? Yeah, I agree. We're not seeing, seeing that yet either. Um, we're just seeing basically um, a shift in spend, you know, everything is going back into TV and digital and out of home gets deleted left, right and center. Um, but overall, there hasn't been, um, there hasn't been an, an, an end put to, um, or like a stop in, to, to campaigns that we were working on yet, which I was sort of half expecting, but I think we're at the moment in this uh, weird phase where we're not quite sure how this is going to go um, or how long this is going to take us or whether we'll ever go back to this sort of um, strange situation that we had for 18 months where we're somewhat sheltered and living this luxurious island prison life where, you know, we could uh, go out and consume. Um, I'm not sure, to be honest, from what I'm hearing from our clients and also from our media agencies. Uh, I don't think anyone's got the answers there at the moment, but uh, I'm, I'm. It's not. It's not looking great, and I wouldn't be surprised if we dealt again with sort of media spend cuts or briefs would get delayed. I think it's probably a delay more than a deletion at the moment. And just wondering, you know, I think we've sort of gone into a bit of the the, the not good news about it. What else is <laughs> is new at 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 a notion? Is there any you know exciting client work you can talk about? Oh. Obviously, we recently saw the the tomorrow wants its car back campaign for Hyundai. But um, is there anything else that you can talk about that's exciting recently going on there? There's so much exciting stuff going on. So um, I haven't done a lot of PR on this, but um, we have uh, got. Actually, we've got one, two, three, four, four new clients that are not automotive. Um, so um, we actually have started, and this is this is also exciting for us because I didn't think this category would come back anytime soon. We're starting to work for Tourism Korea, and we're getting ready for 2022 for like post-lockdown uh, world where they've got big ambitions to um, beat Japan uh, in terms of outbound um, tourism travel to to Korea. Um, that's an amazing opportunity for us. So I'm quite excited about that. Obviously, we've got No Ugly. That's been really good. Supercast, those guys have come back. Um, they're now working with us on a brand project. Um, we've got a new um, 
lightning lighting actually led lighting uh, company I, I, I can't just name the name just yet but um they've just started working with us and uh, we've got a tech company that's also working with us with them hopefully going to be able to announce probably in the next couple of weeks it's one big pitch we've been pitching since april um one we didn't make um that's okay you know in ocean had to learn how to how to pitch we lost that it was an asia asia pacific uh, pitch um, but we are working on one really big one where we are on the, in the final rounds now. So hopefully we've got some results on that um, end of September, potentially. So there's been a lot of movement for Notion. Um, while um, automotive, you know, Hyundai is still our biggest client at the moment. But um, we've had actually some getting some really, really good momentum and broadening that out. But you know, with moving teams um, offline, uh, actually online, not offline, back into home, working from home. And with uh, the deaths we had in the agency, we've been laying a little bit low in terms of not potentially talking about it, making that too big while people grieve. Um, but I think they'll, we're, we're working on releases now and actually, you know, dropping some new work soon. Yeah, and and the interesting thing you say there, you know, learning how to pitch. And I remember when we chatted earlier in this year, this year you were you were definitely emphasizing that move not away from automotive clients, but to really just expand the remit and and to and to you know bring that into into being a part of the agency, not just being reliant on those clients that stay the same. Can you tell me a bit about learning how to pitch at an agency that where that's not really been part of the culture before? Um, it's been interesting. So the good the good thing is that um, we're all new to an ocean. So pretty much everyone's new because we've uh, we uh, restructured the agency uh, in a completely different way uh, with sort of data and CX at its core. So the scopes that we've been pitching about are, have either been integrated or been sitting in digital social CRM uh, scopes, which is interesting. So the team that's pitching for that is also entirely new. Um, therefore, it wasn't really like, uh, it wasn't about, in ocean learning how to do it. It was just more like us as a team trying to do this together. Doing that remotely is so hard. I'll tell you that. Pitching remotely, it's like uh, it's the hardest thing you could ever do. And when you do it for the first time, and it makes it even harder and it makes it super awkward and doing that over teams and, you know, getting chemistry with clients over a screen is um, nothing but bizarre. So I think it's just been more about learning to do it together for the first time as opposed to uh, building that capability for an ocean. So um, I don't think an ocean is the ocean that anyone would have known in the last uh, 10 years. It's got no resemblance uh, of it anymore, not from the people uh, capability offers or sort of culture perspective either. So I'm quite happy with uh, where we're at um, with that. Now we just have to learn, you know, how to work together really, really well in a really integrated way and doing that while we're sitting at home. Yeah, and one of the other things we spoke about earlier this year was really leaning into having, you know, Korean owners and 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 really framing that as a benefit for the for the company. Can you talk a bit about the way that Notion's culture and strategy has changed since since you took on your role? Um, it has changed from a, uh, a being a sort of like a traditional ad agency that has a strong sort of capability in, in automotive, which of course we do have, to a probably uh, being more of an agile future-focused company. Um, it's not so much about advertising anymore. It's a really, really, really sort of a broad communications business. And um, that's where you get the interesting conversations. So we we get interesting conversations with clients like uh, Tourism Korea, obviously because they're Korean and we're like a logical agency to talk to if you're trying to attract a vast majority of Australians to travel to their country because we also understand Korean culture. So... Um, I was quite excited uh, to talk to them about uh, that opportunity. 
but also leaning into the positiveness of Korean culture, right? Is everything that comes with it um, that is, you know, the fashion, uh, uh, the 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 love of, uh, you know, sort of fusion food and all the interesting innovation that comes out of out of Korea. Um, it's so from a from a culture perspective, I think that makes a little bit of a difference if you if you lean into the fun part of it and not look at it as from a corporate sort of structure. Um, and I've had the opportunity to work together with HQ on a wider digital transformation for Inocean as a business, you know, to, to see as to where we need to invest, um, what acquisitions we are looking at for the future, you know, to widen our remit, to build more capability for existing and future clients. And that's been really, really interesting. And um, we, uh, we've, because we're also, we own Welcome, with, uh, which we've also integrated into our Sydney team now. So we've got Welcome production resources usually sitting within the agency now sitting at home. Um, we've got now really, really broad capability to do a variety of comms, you know, from really, really complicated ads to low-cost content, all under the one umbrella. So I think that's that's been really exciting for us. And that resonates really, really well with clients um, to go, okay, cool, I can give you, I can give you one uh, piece of work, but I know that you can execute that for me in a variety of uh, forms and it doesn't just always need to cost, um, you know, a huge amount of money. Yeah, and do you think working with those uh, those new clients and more clients outside auto will, you know, actually help probably refresh what you're able to do with the Hyundai and Kia accounts as well? Oh, totally. It's given us a very different perspective. So I've hired deliberately people that don't just have automotive experience in the first place. And um, our clients are really proud every time, um, you know, when we bring in a new piece of uh, business and they've been quite interested also in what the sort of the um, the uh, potential collaboration opportunities are there. But also, um, you know, with that, I've, we've had the opportunity to dive into PR. So, you know, all of a sudden, because of a different client, we're offering lifestyle PR from one of our existing clients. Uh, would want to have a piece of that so it's it kind of is perpetuating organic growth just as much as it perpetuates sort of motivation within the agency and a little bit of excitement yeah and and speaking of of that um tourism career account i think it might be difficult for people in australia to really conceptualize that working on a tourism account right now would be very exciting but but obviously it's a very different situation there at the moment um i i, I guess how, how is it different and 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 what have you learned so far working on that? Um, we've learned so far that um, the world doesn't necessarily stop just because Australia stops. Um, that's in its early stages because you know um, Tourism Korea is also a government organisation, so their budget is really going to kick in 2022, 2023. But for us to do deep dive strategy for tourism and see where that leads us, and hopefully be able to release a campaign for them next year, while we're doing the fu- uh, foundational work now is. Is interesting. Is also talk, talking to clients like that gives you always a good perspective on what hopefully the future might look like. So it gives everyone a lot of hope. Um, but just as much as you know, for instance, No Ugly has also grown. Um, we are working on new campaigns for No Ugly at the moment. So there's still, you know, while everything seems to be doom and gloom, uh, people are still consuming things. They are thinking of dreaming of traveling, and they're still trying to eat and drink healthily. Um, so the world, in that sense, hasn't really stopped i would say yeah and and what about the work you're doing with supercars now i mean obviously it's not going to involve activations because we can't do activations at the moment 
Um, Supercars is different. For these guys, we're working on a new uh, brand uh, proposition. Um, so again, this is something that they're also trying to get ready now for 2022. So what I think is happening is, and I think a lot of other uh, agencies and, and clients may relate to that. It's kind of like, well, you know, can't do anything right now, but we're really now we can't kind of wait any longer and, you know, waiting for the rest of the world or for Australia to reopen again. So we got to get our ducks in a row. we got to do the planning now and then um, pretty much uh, do the campaign creation now for it to drop in 2022 when everyone's ready. So if, I feel like all of a sudden we've got this deadline that, you know, in January 2022, everyone wants to be on um, because we can't at the moment. So I, I feel with that there's a lot of um, positive momentum. Yeah, really looking forward to what, you know, you've got to to go in the rest of the year. And and outside an ocean, I just wanted to touch on, you know, we obviously saw earlier the launch of the, uh, I don't know if I can say FCK, the cupcakes on this podcast. I won't swear, but. Um, okay, you can call it FTC, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but that initiative obviously was, you know, about calling on women in creative and production roles to, you know, help design this range of sportswear. Um, I just wanted to go back to that. Um, what are the latest updates with that? What was the, what were, have the, were the responses like to that early on? And, and do you think you've been able to keep up the momentum with that as well? So it was supposed to be, um, so the active wear sort of range or, you know, um, casual wear um, is now, we're now producing that and shipping that to people. We've actually sold um, quite a bit, uh, partnered with UN Women and um, we're partnering now with SheCool in Victoria. Um, As a a next step, we decided to create a, a board or a committee and um, it was never just uh, supposed to be like an, some sort of one-off initiative. Um, we've, we've created four pillars. One is about production representation. One is about industry outreach and actually getting men on the journey um, because I feel that it's way too silent in Australia. I would have expected um, a huge outcry after Zoe Scammon in the UK came out, came out with her piece. It's been absolute crickets in Australia. So I wrote something around that and I'm trying to get more men uh, involved in the conversation. So we have a couple. We have got Rod Prosser from Channel 10 or CBS Viacom has joined me. I've got a, uh, a couple of other uh, men in the industry. Um, Jason Tonelli, Mercibel, um, has joined me last Friday. Um, so I'm bringing men uh, along with me now because I believe this is a topic that we together need to frame in a positive way and take the anxiety away from, of, of people actually speaking up. So uh, I don't want this to be some sort of whistleblowing initiative. Um, other people can do that or that's what the courts and the police uh, are for. Um, we're trying to actually do some good. Um, and with that, I think we've got about 20 people, 20 senior people in the industry now as part of this board um to to work on it and we're making pretty good progress so it's been it's been a lot of fun yeah fantastic and and you know what 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 what's going to be happening with that between now and the end of the year is lockdown putting anything on hold everything's just full steam ahead full steam ahead so one piece is a research piece to actually see how bad we are as an industry or whether um uh, maybe my brother can partner with that on help help me with that actually. Uh, so we might do a uh, we're, we're launching a study to um, to hear responses from from women and men in the industry. Do they believe we're as bad as the UK or same or do they actually care? Uh, how do men feel about all of this, right? Because I believe it's a very difficult time to be a woman, but it's also an equally difficult time to be a man. 
Um, so we want to um, la launch that starting in the next couple of weeks. Um, as a We will publish the results. Um, then we have a bigger a research piece planned with Shekel Victoria, which is around actually investigating gender stereotypes um, in Australia because no one's actually done that study to see what it looks like um, and what the learnings are from that. So that is supposed to be hopefully be going live towards the end of the year. Um, and then um, from a production company point of view, uh, we're working on uh, creating a mentorship um, sort of um, program for directors, producers, et cetera, to help um, getting a foot into the door if you're a female director or you're coming from a diverse background. Um, so these are actually three big tangible things that we're doing and they're all happening now. So lockdown doesn't come into the way of, you know, fighting the good fight. Yeah, absolutely. I guess a big watch this space on on that side of things. Um, anyway, Jasmine, thank you so much for joining me on the Mumbrella cast today. You're welcome. And that's it for this week. But before we go... The Mumbrella Publish Awards are now just two weeks away. If you work in the publishing industry, be sure to tune in to our virtual ceremony on September 9. With categories spanning across digital, print, sales, podcasting, journalism, marketing, and more, make sure you join us in celebrating the remarkable achievements of our industry. Go to mumbrella.com.au forward slash publish awards to register for your free e-ticket. That's it for this week, though. Xander, thank you for joining me. Tim, thanks for coming back. Thank you, Damo. Don't forget www.unmade.media. Please do sign up. And if you can tell us how many times Tim has plugged his own business, we'll give you some sort of prize. 